Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. We are in 1 Peter chapter 5. This is our journey through the Bible. And possibly we might finish or we might not today, the fifth chapter, but we will see. Before that, let's ask for God's blessing over his word. God, we are before your presence again. We are a people who get distracted with the issues of life and the things we see happening around the world. We are asking this morning that would you grant us quietness, that we would pay attention to your word and really understand what your spirit is telling us this morning, Lord. We are heeding your word this morning and we are um, doing as you have commanded us to publicly read your word. And as we do so, we ask for your wisdom. We ask that you grant us knowledge to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. First Peter, chapter 5. This is where we find ourselves after we uh, talked about various aspects in this uh, book, honoring the uh, civil leaders, honoring those who are above us, honoring one another in marriage. And uh, putting ourselves in, you know, trying to clothe ourselves with the mind of Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, you know, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. You know, he went through a lot of sufferings, not because of him, but because of you and I. And so that when we go through various trials in life, the Bible encouraged us to think that this, it's not news. Many other believers, many other saints of old have gone through the same and they overcame. How? Through the word of their testimony and with the blood of the Lamb. So whatever comes away, you know, however hard you think it is, be encouraged and know that the Bible says that God knows about it. That is the good news. God knows about it, and he is mindful of you. You know, we normally say, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and it's like, man, is God really aware of what I'm going through? Why has he just allowed all this pain, you know, just day after day, day after day? But we find ourselves in the scripture, 
where the apostle is actually talking to the people who are going through suffering, a lot of it. But they, again, as he's encouraging them, also he's trying to bring order in the church so that we don't just go through a lot of things, we don't just suffer, and then now the church turns to be something that is chaotic. There has to be order in the house of God. So he says here in verses 1, chapter 5, The elders who are among you I exhort, whom I am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Let us stop there for a moment. Already he's given us a lot of things to think about. First of all, he's mentioned three things here. He's mentioned an elder, he's mentioned an overseer, and he's mentioned a shepherd. An elder in this context, from the uh, Hebrew understanding, he's a mature older man, presbyteros, that is where this uh, word coined Presbyterian came from. So when you see any Presbyterian church, know that the church is governed by the board of elders that are counted as mature. And then he also mentioned the overseer, that is Episcopos in Hebrew, that means a bishop. You've seen the Episcopal churches led by the bishops. And also he mentioned the shepherd. The amazing thing about it is the three titles that are mentioned here belongs to one person. These three titles, they belong to one person. So when he's mentioning an elder, he's, he's mentioning someone who has matured greatly in the Lord. An overseer, a bishop, someone who is responsible. And then mentioning a shepherd, He's mentioning someone who is geared to serve in the ministry of God. To the elders who are among you, I exhort, I whom am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. 
So remember this time when the apostle is writing, he's an old man, an old man, and he's exhorting them, being the first-hand person who experienced the things that happened to our Lord Jesus Christ, he knows what he's talking about. He's gone through some painful moments with Jesus Christ. You know, Peter was this guy who, you know, he would just talk. You know, an event will happen and he would just open his mouth and say something. Whether he's right or wrong, he'll just say it. And some other points, Jesus would shut him down and say, hey, that is not the spirit of God. Say, hey, whom do people say I am? Some says you're Elijah, Elijah the prophet, some says you're the prophet, some says you're this person. And he turns to them and says, hey, and who do you say I am? And Peter rose his voice and said, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Jesus said that flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And upon this, I'll build my church, not upon the apostle, but up, upon the revelation that he's received, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that is the foundation of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. You remember, Jesus told him like, hey, you will deny me, not one time, three times. He said, alas, no, my Lord, I cannot do something like that. And when it happened, three times, he cried bitterly. When Jesus rose in John 21, Jesus appeared to them, and to him he was speaking to him. He mentioned three times, Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know that I do. Tend my sheep. You love me the second time. You love me the third time he was getting mad. I don't know, the, Peter likes things in threes. <laughs> three times and three times and three times. But he was getting mad at Jesus Christ for repeating all these things. But he, he said, shepherd my flock. He said, I'm a witness. I'm an elder which means I have attained maturity, not from my own, but from the experience that I have received from our Lord Jesus Christ. And I am a witness of the sufferings of Christ. I mean, how we, we, we will say that we are witnesses of Jesus Christ. But how many of us will say that I am a witness of the sufferings of Jesus Christ? Because we don't want to talk about suffering. We hate suffering. We don't want to go through any painful situation in life. He's a witness of the suffering of Jesus Christ. And guess what? And also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. That because I have witnessed of this, I have seen how he suffered, and we know at the end of the day how he died. He suffered great deal being crucified upside down. And he says confidently that I'm also 
a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. I admire the confidence of the apostles when they are speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ and the confidence that they have for the life to come. I'll be a partaker of this. And he says in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Now this is, you know, a very good text for a pastor's conference. But also, this is what we should understand from the Bible. Say, shepherd the flock of God, which is what? Among you. Among you. If you've been called, there are uh, a few qualifications of a, of a proper minister of the gospel. Number one, this person has a personal walk with God. These shepherds that we learn from the Hebrew context, we know how they used to lead the sheep. They lead from the front. That is why Jesus said that my sheep knows my voice. When they hear it, they will follow. They, they, they are not behind there. They are over there. They call the sheep, the sheep will follow them because the sheep knows the, the, the voice of the shepherd. And he says, shepherd or pastor or take good care of God's people who are amongst you. Shepherd the flock of God. And he's making it clear that they are of God. <laughs> they are not yours. Okay. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as what? Overseers. So in this usage, the Bible acknowledges those who are in leadership, those who oversee different aspects of ministry in church as overseers, as bishops, okay? Not just wanting the title because we like the title, bishop. So when I'm a bishop, the, the rank is higher than that of a pastor, that of an evangelist. I'm above. That is not what we are learning from the scripture here. It says, serving as what? Overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Because we know there are many people who take advantage of the flock of God. For what? For gaining material things for themselves. Anytime you see that, run away. There are a lot of warnings that we are receiving from God's word that when you see this particular group of people, run away from them, but we do not want to run because they have coined themselves or they have packaged themselves in a way that seems 
pleasing to the world. And we like what they say. We like the things they do. But at the end of the day, are they shepherding the flock of God the way God wants his sheep to be shepherded? And this is a caution also for us who stand on the pulpit to speak the word of God. That as I'm doing this, am I doing it willingly for God or I have other intentions to gain things from you? I have to evaluate my heart. So it means, number one, qualification, I have to personally walk with God. Because if I do, then I will not take advantage of the flock of God. Sheep. <laughs> Man, have you guys walked into, you know, a very big compound? You know, you can't even see inside. And there's a big gate. And there's a warning that be aware of ships. <laughs> be aware of ships. You don't find people dragging sheep as they walk along like, hey, don't joke around. I have, <laughs> I have some animal here that will take care of you. You don't see people do that with sheep. They do that with dogs and, you know. Sheep, they can go astray very quickly. One will start to lead the way, whether they know, they know why, where they're going or not, the rest will follow without even thinking about it. Hey, but we are told that as we are shepherding the flock of God, we do it willingly, not with dishonest gain. Or not as being what? Lord over them. We are not being bosses over the flock of God. This is the point. It is the flock of God. It is not ours. It is not my people. It is God's people. I only have an opportunity to tell them something that God has revealed to us through his word. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. This is how, in high regards, we're being held accountable. And I'm glad that I am amongst the people here who do that in high esteem. All our pastors here, they serve because God called them to serve. They're not looking for material gains from the flock of God. We, want, we don't want to be personal, you know, taking advantage of people, calling them my own people. This, this is my own person, my own person. No, you are God's. The reason why he's saying this, as he's mentioning here, he's saying, hey, of whom I am a fellow elder, 
and a partaker. So all of us, at the end of the day, you know what, where we'll go? We are waiting for the chief shepherd to appear. The chief shepherd is shepherding all of us. Whether you are a bishop, you are whoever you are. He's our chief shepherd. Some of us are under shepherds. And then a proper minister has to have a personal gift to serve Christ. There has to be a calling. You don't call yourself into this. Otherwise, we'll call you a hireling. You're just doing it for your personal gain. There has to be a practical ability that is seen from the people that you're working with, that you're able to divide the word of truth with all honesty. And then also, he has to have a powerful desire to please Christ, a powerful desire to please Christ. He says in verses 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. This crown does not fade away. The crowns that these people would receive, you know, in the Olympics and all these sports, they'll be crowned with gold and silver and all these things. But you know what? All these things that we see in the world, they will fade away. But when the chief shepherd appears, he will come with when the chief shepherd appears, he will crown you with a crown that does not fade away. What a blessing, what a privilege to know that at the end of time, at the end of the day, this is what our Lord Jesus Christ will do to us. This is not for the elder, that bishop, that pastor. This is for every one of us who serve the Lord diligently. That when he appears, there shall be a crown. And this crown does not fade away. We shouldn't do ministry for income, but do it for the outcome. Many people do it for income, so that I will gain this, I will get that. When I serve God, I will get this. When I serve God, I will get this. No. Serve God for what he's called you to, and especially for the outcome. That is people's life being turned around. People's lives being changed. If you've been serving God and you're doing things for the kingdom of God and there's no outcome, you probably should examine what you do. We're not saying that every time you go out there, people will just be getting born again every day. But there is always fruit of the ministry that we do. So that portion is talking about 
the shepherd and the sheep. And he says in verse 5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders, those who are of age. Submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Okay, he's kind of giving some orders to the church. We've dealt with the, the, the overseers. Now you younger people, younger people who are young of age, those people who are above you in terms of age and they are mature, Please submit yourselves to them. And he says, yes, all of you, also the elders and the young people, everyone, submit yourselves to one another too. And this submission is the submission, first of all, to Christ. If we have submitted ourselves to Christ, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, then submitting to one another does not become a burden. It becomes a blessing. Many elderly people will feel like, hey, these this young people, what do they know? Why should we even, you know, have a meeting with them? And if we are to have a meeting with them, it is just us giving instruction, 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 which is fine. But also, don't assume that the younger people cannot give wisdom. Because what does the Bible say in James? That he who lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord and he will give, not sparingly. So that does not give an age bracket that he only gives wisdom to the elderly people and leave the younger ones. He gives to everyone as long as you are in need of it. And I suppose many of us here, we need wisdom. For this is what he says. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, so as he's saying, you guys submit yourself to one another, but we'll have a group that think highly of themselves. They do not want to submit. Those people, God will do what? Will resist them because he does not like proud people. Proud people, God doesn't like them. And sometimes we think other people are prideful when it is us who are being prideful. (laughs) We think that that other person is arrogant. Sometimes it is us who are arrogant. God resists the proud. Man, you, you do not want to find yourself where it is God who is resisting you. <laughs> you know, if it's a, your fellow human being trying to resist you or trying to, you know, do that to you, you might say, well, I'll come back later. 
Let me go work out. Let me go do something. Next time, you will not resist. I will go through. Next time, I will find someone else and I will go through. You don't want to find yourself in a position where it is God resisting you. That means you do not have help from no one else. David says it, that I'd rather find myself falling in the feet of my God. Why? Because in him there is what? Mercy. Rather than falling in the hands of the enemy, there is no mercy. There is no mercy. But he does this beautiful thing, that he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Now, humility does not mean that, you know, those, you know that face that we create, you know. Yeah, yeah, I have not much to say. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, amen, brother. Amen, sister. God bless you. It's none of that. <laughs> to be humble. To be non-critical. He gives you his grace. Therefore, he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself. The people who humble themselves or the people who are full of humility, number one, they will not say that they are humble. You will see it in them. And the other thing is they, will, they have a lot of authority, but they don't use it for their own gain. In, in John 13, when Jesus was reminding the disciples and hey, all authority is given unto me. And after he said that to them, what did he do? He sat down, took a towel, and washed their what? Their feet. Though one of them, this one, Peter, was trying to resist. Trying to resist. That, my Lord, you cannot wash my feet. You, can, you, you can't do that. I don't know what he was worried about. Is it the shoes? <laughs> what is underneath the shoes? I don't know. You imagine having a bunch of men full of this place, and you're telling them, oh, every man, <laughs> okay, everyone take out your shoes. I want to do some ministry here. Man. We'll have to get all the fans going. We'll bring all the ashes and it's... I'm not saying it's you. <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know. That would have been something that is disastrous. But you know, many other people have made this to be, you know, a norm in their ministries... I don't know if you've gone to places where they do foot washing. 
This, the third Sunday of the month is the foot washing service. If you're inviting me to go to that place on that day and I know ahead of time, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to. But this was a sign of great humility that when you have a lot of authority, you, a lot has been entrusted to you, don't take advantage of them, but do what? Serve them. Serve them. Jesus was here, busy washing their feet. Though they were resisting, this Peter guy, he said, oh, well, I don't want you to wash my feet. Wash the whole body. That is now worse. Okay. <laughs> wash my whole body. This fellow gentleman was not serious anyways. Allow yourself to be humble that God may lift you in due time. Casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Casting all your cares to the Lord because he does what? He cares for you. And if I was to title this sermon, I will say it, the best is yet to come. Why? Because when we are going through hard times right now, and he knows we have burdens, he knows that we care about so many things in life, he say, hey, do what? Trust me. Trust the process. All those cares, throw them upon me because I care about you. I'm I'm really a caring guy. Did you notice that? <laughs> no one comes to him and say, hey, Lord, I'm here. I'm, I have this baggage and say, hey, I have a line here. <laughs> I have people to take care of. Would you come back next year? You know, I want to get married next month. Like, no, the line is too many. No, there's no blessing. Would you come 2028? He doesn't do that with people. Anytime you go to the Lord, you humble yourself, you go to him, you pray to him, he's always and always willing to listen to you. He knows even before you go before him, he knows what kind of pain you're going through. And he's exhorting us also by saying, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may do what? Devour. The enemy is crying out in anger. He is angry, looking for someone to devour. The Bible calls him the accuser of brethren. He's a thief 
Whatever he does, he lies to people, and when he lies, that is his native language. He can say nine things to you that seems right for you to believe the tenth one that is the greatest lie. He's a deceiver. He lies to people. He kills. He destroys. He's a murderer. And if knowing that this is the nature of what he does, and we are told to be vigilant, friends, we got to be vigilant. We got to be, because he's out there. He's always at the door knocking somewhere. He's trying to find people to devour, to utterly destroy. He wants to destroy you. The devil walks about like a roaring lion. You guys have watched these, you know, not geo things about the animals and the kings of the jungle. Did you guys realize that the lion normally does not go after the prey? It is normally the lioness, most of the time. The lion will roar to scare them, and then the lioness will get them. Imagine that is just your job. You see people scare them. <laughs> Scaring people is your job. <laughs> oh man, we have some people who have kind of adapted to this lifestyle of scaring people. <laughs> no. That is the work of the enemy. You, you see people doing that, just, you should be sensitive to know that, ha, huh, I know your father. <laughs> I know your peeps. I know where you're coming from. We are told here to do what? To resist him. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by, by your fellow brotherhood in the world. So whatever it is, is throwing at you. Remember, he's throwing at every other believer in the world. It, it is not news. Whatever you're going through here, there's someone in China going through the same. Someone in Saudi Arabia going through the same. Someone in South Africa going through the same. But being steady in faith helps a believer to resist the enemy. If you're steady, if you're not wavering in your faith, you'll be able to overcome you'll be able to resist. The author of Hebrews says, you have not resisted to the point of what? To the point of death. Or to the point of shedding blood. But resist him. Steadfast in what? 
in faith, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your fellow brotherhood, your fellow brothers in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Wow. So when we are going through all these things, or when we are going through the Bible, these are the things that are supposed to happen to every believer, that you are to be established, being perfected in God's word, to be strengthened, and to be settled in him. When all these things are happening, trust me, you are in a better position to resist the enemy. But if you are a vugu-vugu kind of a Christian, man, he will tear you apart every other time. He's a wolf. What does the wolf, what does the wild animal do to these other ones? They tear them apart. They tear them apart. But if you're perfected in God's word, you are established, you are strengthened, and then you are settled, man. In Christ, that is, then you'll be able to resist. And he says these beautiful words, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever, amen. To him, to who? To him who has given us the strength to be established, to be strengthened, to be settled. All dominion and power belongs to him. Can we trust him? Can we really give our total selves to him? If we do that, we'll be able to resist. As I bring the worship team to come, and as we finish this verse, as it says, by Silvanus, this is Silas, our faithful brother, I consider him, I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. The things that we have written to you, the words we have spoken to you, these are the real deal. This is the true grace of God. And if you're holding to that, then you are standing on something that is right. What a confidence to know that we are standing in God's word, a God that is true, a God that is able to deliver us, a God that cares about us. And she who is in Babylon, the church, elect together with you, greets you as does John Mark, my son. Greet one another. Okay, 
So we'll have to change this a little bit. They greet one another with a kiss of love. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. <laughs> greet one another with a handshake of love. Okay? <laughs> Don't do what they used to do in that other time. Actually, the reason why it was taken out of you know, the church, culturally, the Jewish people used to do this. They would kiss people, no problem. No problem. And then now it's coming to the church, and you have weird, you have schemas in the church. Like, ah, they can't wait for the time of greeting. And so they, these elders spotted quite a number of people they would go to that corner where they, they have pretty young ladies. Like, hello, sister. <laughs> You're wicked. Of course, we're Preston. We should find some cameras around the building that will help us to sieve the sheep from the... Because <laughs> even today, we have some hugs that are very prolonged, that are not very biblical. Okay. If you have to, you know, the side one is very, very nice. Oh, one as if you were a sister. No. You will be having like a fissy, you know, fissy. <laughs> Greet one another with a handshake of love. Hug the huggable, greet the greetable, and be a blessing to the body of Christ. Do not lead people where they are not supposed to be led. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Because if you're in Christ Jesus, you won't take advantage of your sister or brother. You'll do what is right. Why? Because you are in Christ Jesus. You can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other. Lord, we are grateful. We are thankful for your word that you have given to us today. We are thankful for the opportunity that we have as your people to listen to your word. How we ask that you'll help us to heed your word. You'll help us to understand really what you're speaking to us, especially in our times today and how we ought to apply these words to us. But we thank you for the confidence that we are receiving from your word. And when we have all these burdens and we are troubled, you say, Cast our burdens unto you. All our cares unto you. Because you care for us. And we thank you, God. Bless our fellowship and bless our time. And even as we continue worshiping you with our finances this morning, we ask for your blessings. We ask that you will be reminded that you the one who has given us the greatest gift of all time, your son Jesus Christ.
as we give to you this morning, may we give what is um, glorifying to you, a glorifying percentage to you. So we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is 0718-012-496. See you next time.